Biblical revelation is progressive. God holds each generation accountable for the revelation that they have been given. Our spiritual position as New Testament believers is different from those in the Old Testament. So as we live life and engage in spiritual warfare, we must walk in what God has spoken concerning us in view of the triumph of the cross of Jesus Christ. All right, so now we are ready to get into God's Word. And uh, the message that I feel uh, that I just want to bring to us today, uh, I will just share the title with us first. Uh, the title of the message is, The Battle is the Lord's, but you still have to fight. So if you're sitting with somebody, turn around to people next to you and just tell them, the battle is the Lord's, but you still have to fight. All right, turn to somebody else and tell them the same thing. The battle is the Lord's, but you still have to fight. You know, we will come back to this in a moment. I want to share two testimonies that have come in recently, recent times, you know, uh, we don't get to share the testimonies every Sunday. We just kind of collect some of them and then share them uh, from time to time. Uh, this testimony came on Saturday, the 27th of July. And uh, here's a, a lady who says about what happened the previous Supernatural Sunday. So the Supernatural Sunday that took place in the month of May. Uh, she writes this. She, she, she says, you know, I just want to praise God for his everlasting grace and protection over me and my family. Uh, she says, I don't know where to start to testify all his mercies. But she says, I want to speak about this one miracle. Uh, uh, she was uh, 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 severe pain uh, due to a kidney infection that she had. And she would get uh, this time and again. And uh, on that particular Sunday, which was uh, the supernatural Sunday, Sunday in May, she said the pain was bad. She had taken a lot of painkillers, which her nephrologist had been uh, had prescribed for her, and uh, she couldn't sleep. She was crying, and uh, she was trying to watch the service online, but she couldn't do that. And uh, so finally, when the prayer time came, so this was supernatural Sunday, the prayer time. So when the prayer time came, her her little her daughter uh, connected to the service on the mobile again and brought it to her. And uh, as we were praying in that service, she says, she cried and asked for healing, uh, praying along with us. And it says, the pain which did not stop with all the painkillers she was taking, she said that pain stopped. And she said, I couldn't believe it. I got up, ate something, and slept for two hours without any pain. Amen. Wonderful. That's a, just an instant healing that she experienced. And thank God for that. Here's another email that came on the 28th, Sunday the 28th. Uh, just a testimony. Somebody just wanted to share what God was doing in her life. She says, uh, she talks about how God is teaching her, how to sow financially, and so on. And, uh, but then I just want to highlight a little part of what she wrote. Uh, she said, uh, whenever she feels an attack, she says, she opens the word of God and she declares them out loud. And those things just vanish, just disappear. Uh, they go away. And she just wants to thank God for the teaching of his word, which 
which she has received here, uh, that uh, has taught her to do that. And she says, I'm finally getting back control of my life. Thank you. And uh, the Lord bless you abundantly. So we're just grateful to God that, you know, even as people listen to the word and they take that word and they apply it in their lives, they can see the word of God work for them personally in the day-to-day situations of life, that they can walk in victory and, and so on. I, uh, uh, just before I get into God's word, I just want to make mention of one more thing. Uh, many of you have, would have got this email or the uh, text message about APC Bible College. Um, just all our move, we are moving all our classes online. Uh, so starting on uh, our new semester starts August 3rd, uh, just about a month away. And all our classes are going to be done online. So the entire fall semester, we have 24 courses happening. Uh, all of that will be done virtually on virtual classrooms. We'll be, we'll be using Google Classroom and Google Meet. So those of you who want to enroll, you know, you could just study from anywhere in the world. You can connect and you can be a part of this. And we're going to continue this uh, even next year. So uh, we will have virtual classrooms available throughout. So if you'd like to just enroll in the Bible College, please do that. Or if you just want to take one of one or two out of the 24 courses, you're welcome to do that as well. If you don't want to carry a full course load uh, each semester, you can just pick a few courses and do that as well. So go to apcbiblecollege.org. Just simple to remember, apcbiblecollege.org. Go there. All the information is there online, and you can sign up, enroll, and we look forward to seeing you online in the classroom. Imagine three hours of classroom lectures every Every weekday, Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 12 noon. So that's the time you need to commit. Uh, and if you're, if you're taking it full time, uh, if, you, if you're taking one or two classes, it's usually one, uh, two lectures a week or some classes have just one lecture a week. So you can choose and fit that into your schedule. We really look forward to connecting with all of you through the virtual classrooms online in the fall semester. All right. The battle is the Lord's, but you still have to fight. I want to read a few passages from Scripture first before we uh, spend time on this and then and, and, uh, uh, just uh, share along these lines. So let's go in your Bibles. Uh, we will read uh, at least three passages. Sorry, we will read at least three passages of Scripture. Uh, Exodus, the 14th chapter, we're going to read verses uh, 9 to 16. Exodus, uh, chapter 14, verses 9 through 16. And uh, for those of you, uh, you might be familiar of the story how the people of Israel have been, or the Hebrews at that time, uh, have been led out of Egypt by Moses. They've just begun their exodus. And the first thing they run into is the Red Sea. And so we're reading about that here in Exodus chapter 14. We pick up in verse 9. It says, So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, camping by the sea. Uh, verse 10, And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you, put, why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? And I'll just skip down to verse 13, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand still 
and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. So I want to highlight verse 13 and 14, where Moses tells the people, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. Another pa passage I want us to read is in Second Chronicles, uh, the 20th chapter. And uh, we're just going to read uh, this passage as well, which uh, many of us may be familiar with. Second Chronicles chapter 20, uh, we'll read from verse 14 onwards. Now this uh, incident, uh, again, in the nation of Israel, uh, some of you may be familiar with the story when uh, the chap chapter 20 begins with uh, uh, three different tribes, uh, people from uh, Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. They're all coming to attack uh, Judah and Jerusalem. And there is King Jehoshaphat who calls the people to seek God when he hears that there are three armies coming against them. And so he calls them to come to prayer. And at that time, the Lord speaks the Spirit of the Lord speaks, and this is what he says. We pick up in verse 14. It says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jahaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael. And we'll skip down here, verse 15. He says, Listen, all you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord, Do not be dismayed, do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed, Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. What I want to highlight there again is in verse 17, where the prophet by the Spirit of God says, you will not need to fight in this battle. And he says, just preceding that, he says, the end of verse 15, he says, the battle is not yours, but God's. And then I want to read another passage from Ephesians 6 that many of us are also familiar with Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, uh, where the Apostle Paul, uh, writing to the church in the, uh, at Ephesians, and of course it's to believers, uh, to you and me in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, uh, this is what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the present preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, which is the 
and, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, something we must understand about the Bible is that biblical revelation is progressive. And uh, what that means is that over time, God revealed more and more spiritual truth to his people. So what this means is that over time, as we journey through time in the scripture, the scripture unfolds uh, chronologically as well, the revelation, the understanding of spiritual truth and uh, the spiritual dynamics changes. Of course, God himself does not change, but our understanding of spiritual truth is increasing. So biblical revelation is progressive. That means, if you for just for just to explain that a little bit more, the book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible. That means Job did not have the revelation that Abraham had, or Moses had, or what David had, and definitely neither Job nor Moses, Abraham or Moses or David, none of them had the revelation that you and I have. So what that means is this, as believers living today, you and I cannot position ourselves as Job before God. You don't have the right to do that because you have much more revelation than Job had. And God holds every generation accountable for the revelation that he has given them. God does not expect you to live by Job's revelation. That will be going back in time. It will not be progressive. It will be going down. And, uh, and so God is not expecting you to live uh, with the revelation that Abraham had or Moses had or David had. The Bible tells us, and this is in 2 Peter 1.12, that we are supposed to be living by present truth, meaning you and I are accountable to live before God with the revelation given to us in the New Testament. Of course, New Testament revelation builds on all of that, but it is far greater it's much more than what Job had or what Abraham had or Moses had or what David had or even the Old Testament prophets had or even you know what the uh, the early believers had uh, uh, because once Paul wrote the Pauline revelation and all of that was put together then we reading it have understanding and perhaps even the people believers in the early church did not have all of that revelation so the point i want to make is this you know biblical revelation is progressive and uh, God is holding us accountable. He expects us to live by the revelation we have today. So we cannot position ourselves under any of the uh, people prior to us to say, I'm living just like them. We can learn from their lives, but we are accountable to God for the revelation we have today. And remember in scripture, the biblical principle, the kingdom principle is this, to whom much is given, much is expected. So we are that generation to whom much has been given. We have been given much revelation, understanding of spiritual truth. And you know, the, Jesus said it like this. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know, we have been blessed with revelation of truth. We're, suppo we're supposed to be the freest people, so to speak, meaning we can enjoy the, the blessings of knowing the truth that God has given to us. So 
We are accountable to live by the revelation we have. Now, what, is ha what does this have to do uh, with uh, what, I, what we want to talk about today? Let me just say a few more things and we come to the main message. You know, we want to talk about warfare, uh, but let me say this. The nature of God is to be reproduced in us. Uh, every aspect of God's nature is to be reproduced in us so that you and I can truly be the image of God. We can truly represent God. And that's why he created us. He created us in his own image and likeness so that we can represent him or represent him here on earth. So every aspect of God's nature is in some measure to be reproduced in us. God is love. He tells us to walk in love. God is holy. He tells us to walk in holiness. He says, be holy for I am holy. God is uh, Righteous, he calls us to be righteous. God is generous, he calls us to be generous. So every aspect of God's nature is to be reproduced in us as believers. And we are to walk in it. And we've got to hold all of that together. The, the, the truth, the, the righteousness, the compassion, the justice of God. All those aspects of God's nature are to be held together in the life of the believer. And what is interesting is this. One aspect of God's nature, which perhaps... Many of us don't even think about, but is evident in scripture, is that God is a warrior. God is a warrior. Uh, in Exodus, the 15th chapter and the third verse, the Bible plainly says, the Lord is a man of war. In Isaiah 42, verse 13, the Bible says, The Lord shall go forth like a mighty man, or the King James would say, the mighty warrior. God will go forth as a mighty warrior. His name is Jehovah Sabaoth. That means the Lord of the armies, the Lord of hosts. That means he's a commander-in-chief, so to speak, of a, of a heavenly army. So there is this warrior aspect of God's nature. Now, I know that many people don't like it. You know, I remember back in, I think it was 2002. Uh, I may get the year wrong by one or two. Uh, but I think it was in 2002 we released a publication at that time. Uh, it was called, uh, The Lord is a Warrior. And, um, you know, when we, and we basically, we, we, we studied the warrior aspect of God's nature and, and, and on the strategies of warfare that we see in Scripture and how that applies to us as New Testament believers. But anyway, once we released that book back then, I got a strong letter from somebody who said, you shouldn't be writing a book like this, you know. Uh, and, uh, of course, at that time, I was, I was kind of new. We had just returned back to India. And so we kind of withdrew that book. We were not sure, you know, is this going to cause problems in the church, you know. Uh, but I just feel uh, at some point we will release that book again. Um, but anyway, the point is this. The Lord is a warrior. It is, it is there in Scripture. And so that aspect of God's nature is also to be reproduced in you and me. That means God is expecting you and me to be warrior-like, to be militant, but in the right sense. We don't misunderstand it. We will explain. But there is this aspect of God that makes you and me militant in the things of God, in spiritual things, because God is a warrior and he wants that aspect of his nature to be expressed through every child, a son and daughter of his. The Lord is a man of war. Now, here's the thing. You see, uh, there, in the Old Testament, we read these statements, which we have read from Exodus 14 and also 2 Chronicles 20, where the Bible says, the battle is the Lord's. The Lord will fight for you. So stand still. 
Stand still in both the places. In, in Exodus 14, he says, the Lord will fight for you. You stand still. In 2 Chronicles 20, he says, the battle is the Lord's. Stand still. Right? Now, here's the problem which I really want to address and then bring the main message to, you, to us today. The problem is this, that many of us New Testament believers, we quote those scriptures as an excuse for our spiritual inaction, for our spiritual passivity, and for our spiritual slumber. You know, what we do is this. We say, the battle is the Lord's, so I don't have to do anything. And we don't do anything. And I want to impress on our hearts today that that position is wrong. You cannot afford to do that. That Old Testament, there is truth in the Old that, that statement, the Lord, the battle is the Lord. That means God is indeed fighting for us. But God is not holding you to live by that revelation. He's holding you accountable to live by the revelation of the New Testament. And as we'll see in a few minutes from now, there is New Testament teaching on what you and I have to do in this whole spiritual conflict. So when we say the battle is the Lord's, the Lord will fight for me, so I don't have to do anything, that is actually wrong. Because you're taking an Old Testament revelation and you're positioning yourself to live by that, but you're not supposed to be living by that. You're supposed to be living by what the Lord has given, instructed you and me, in the New Testament, it is true, God is still the warrior. He hasn't changed. He is still the God who fights for his people. God is going to move on your behalf. God is indeed going to come through for you in the battles you are facing. But in the New Testament, God is telling you and me, you need to stand up and fight. And that's what I want to uh, bring to our hearts today. That the Lord will fight for you, but you still have a place in the battle. You still have to engage in the battle. You still have to fight. You cannot use that statement, the, the, the battle is the Lord's, and then go into a state of spiritual inactivity, or a state of spiritual passivity, or a state of spiritual slumber, and say, God will fight for me. That is a wrong posture to take, and it's a dangerous posture to take. So, Let's see what has transpired since that time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Here are some differences you and I must be aware of, and some of it may be very obvious, but we need to state it. First difference between the Old and the New in terms of spiritual war, in terms of warfare, of course, is that there is a there has been a transition from the natural to the spiritual. In the natural, the battles that the people of God were fighting in the Old Testament primarily were natural battles. They had to fight to occupy territory. They had to fight to preserve their lives themselves from their enemies. So they were all natural battles against other tribes, against other, uh, other enemies. They were natural. But when we cross the Testament, our battle today is not natural battle. As we read in Ephesians 6, we are not fighting flesh and blood. We are fighting spiritual enemies. So what is the difference between the enemies? In the natural, you had Times of uh, war and times of peace. Enemies were not around. But that's not so in the spiritual battle. The devil and his demons don't go on a vacation, unfortunately. They don't disappear. You know, they are more persistent than many of us. They are more stubborn in their cause than many of us. And so, it's, you know, the devil doesn't go on a holiday. So the difference the, the, between a natural battle and a spiritual battle is that in a spiritual battle, you have to engage. 
You can't go on a holiday because your enemy doesn't go on a holiday. In the natural, it was different. The second thing that we see uh, that has that has changed. And of course, there are, there, there are spiritual engagements that we see in the Old Testament. Please don't get me wrong. Uh, we see in the, in the case of Job, how, what Satan was doing. In the case of Daniel, how he engaged in prayer and fasting for what was happening in the heavenly and uh, spiritual realm. So there are those aspects. But I'm just talking about the main dominant theme in the Old Testament. The second uh, difference we see between the old and the new, as far as warfare is concerned, is this. That... Our enemy, Satan, in the Old Testament was an oppressor, but because of the cross of Jesus Christ, that enemy who was once a dominating force, who was once an oppressor today, is clearly a defeated enemy. So you and I are not fighting the same devil that Job had to fight. Let me say that again. You and I are not fighting the same devil that Job had to fight. What happened? The cross happened. The cross happened in between. In between the cross. If the cross is real, if you and I really believe that Jesus Christ on the cross crushed the head of the serpent, if you and I really believe that on the cross Jesus disarmed principalities and powers, then we, you and I must clearly understand that Satan in the New Testament is a defeated enemy before the cross. Before the cross. In the Old Testament, they had to engage in a different manner. He was an oppressor. In the New Testament, Satan and his demons are defeated. And as believers, for us, we can look at the enemy and say, you are defeated. You are underneath my feet. You know, none of the Old Testament prophets and all of them could say that. But you and I have the revelation and you and I understand that Jesus Christ actually crushed the enemy and therefore the devil is underneath our feet. You know, Job could never say that because he didn't have the revelation. The cross had not yet happened. Abraham couldn't say it. Moses couldn't say it. David couldn't say it. The cross had not yet happened. So it's wrong for you and me as believers to put ourselves in the Old Testament posture against demonic forces. You shouldn't do that. Put yourself in the New Testament. And that, what is your posture against Satanic fo- against Satan and his demons? They are underneath your feet. They have been disarmed. They have been crushed. Uh, Jesus Christ has conquered them. And he has given you and me absolute mastery over every evil spirit. This has changed across the Testaments. And so a New Testament believer has to live like this when it comes to spiritual engagement, spiritual warfare. The third thing uh, I want to emphasize is that across the Testaments, we've gone from ignorance to revelation. That means in the Old Testament, people did not understand uh, as much revelation as we had. But in the New Testament, you and I can read about the spiritual realm. Well, you and I know that as believers, we are seated together with Christ in heavenly places. You see, these are not just nice things to read in the New Testament, but these are spiritual realities that have been unveiled to us. As Paul writes in the epistles, he says, the mystery that was hidden through the ages, God has revealed them to us by his spirit through his apostles and prophets. And so the curtain has been removed. Can you imagine Abraham 
Isaac, Moses, David, and all the Old Testament prophets, they never saw the revelation. The curtain was closed. But you and I are living in a time when the veil has been torn. The curtain has been opened. These realities have been opened up to us. And God is saying, I want you to live by this. I want you to live by the spiritual reality that you are seated with me in heavenly places. I want you to live by the spiritual reality that you are not a sinner, but you're a saint. You are clothed with the righteousness of God. You are justified in the eyes of God and in the spiritual realm the demons know that you are righteous that you are clothed with the very righteousness of God the demons know that you are covered with the blood of Jesus this is spiritual reality so we've gone from ignorance to revelation the sad part is the church so much of this church is living like ignorant people when the revelation of God is right before us in our hands, in our laps, telling us, look, this is a spiritual reality. This is who you are. You are sons and daughters of God. You are heirs of God. You are joint heirs with Jesus. You have received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. So reign in life. That is spiritual reality. But we are choosing to live under ignorance and we cannot engage in spiritual warfare uh, successfully if you do that. We've got to come into this place to embrace the revelation. Say, God, this is what you've put in the New Testament. This is what I'm going to live by. This is who you've made me to be in Christ. And this is how I'm going to operate because you are going to hold me accountable for the revelation that you've given to every generation. And this is the revelation that has been given to us today to live by the New Testament. And number four, the rules of engagement have changed, which means this. In the Old Testament, God told his people, the Lord will fight for you. Stand still. The battle is the Lord's. Stand still. The New Testament, the language changes. What do we see in the New Testament? I will just quote these verses. For instance, in the New Testament, God is speaking to you. He's speaking to me as believers. And he says things like this. Ephesians 4.27. He says, you give no place to the devil. The Lord is fighting for you. But I want you to do something. You give no place to the devil. That means you keep the door of your life shut to the devil. In Ephesians 6, he says, you put on the full armor of God. And having put on the full armor, I want you to stand firm. And I want you to lift up the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And I want you to take the sword of the spirit and go against the enemy. That's the, uh, the rules of engagement in the New Testament. In the New Testament, God says to you, says to you and me, and he says... The weapons of, the, of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And he says, so that means you and I must use the weapons of warfare God has given to us. In the New Testament, he says, fight the good fight of faith. This is 1 Timothy 6.12. He says, you fight the good fight of faith. God is going to fight for you. The battle is the Lord's. He's still the mighty warrior. He's still the God who fights for his people. He's still the God who causes his people to triumph. But he wants his people to fight the good fight of faith. In the New Testament, the language is like this. First Peter, uh, James chapter 4 and verse 7. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we are in a spiritual conflict and God is saying, I will fight for you, but I want you to resist the devil. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, he says, Your enemy is like a roaring lion. He is looking for whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist, being firm in your faith. 
That means the rules of engagement have changed. And God is saying, now in the New Testament, I have done everything I need to do for you. In fact, I've already fought the battle. I've cleared out your enemy. Now I want you to walk in my completed work. Meaning God has said, I've already fought your battle. I've already crushed the head of the serpent. I've already conquered your enemy. I want you to just go and enforce my victory. The rules of engagement in the New Testament has changed. Now, why am I saying all this and why am I so stirred up about this today? Because I feel that God just wants to tell you and me, stand up and fight. God is telling you and me, stand up and fight. Do not get into a position of spiritual inactivity, of spiritual passivity, of spiritual slumber, in the, in, by just by saying the battle is the Lord's. You know, as far as you and I are concerned, God has already fought the battle. He finished it on the cross of Calvary. His side, his work is done. He already crushed the enemy. He already disarmed those powers of darkness. Now he says, fight the good fight of faith. You do it. So, what, is, what are the battles you and I are, might be fighting? Let's talk about some practical application of the message. Perhaps some of you listening, because of all the difficulties going around us, perhaps you lost your job. You know, maybe in your company, things were going great. You were doing well. You were perhaps a top performer. And all of it, everything was going good until the pandemic hit. And uh, the organization had to make certain decisions and ultimately came down to you losing your job. You know, suppose a believer says, the Lord had given and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Is that right for a believer to say like that? No. You say, but Job said it. Yeah, but you don't, Job did not have the revelation you have. Job was living in a different period of time. He had a certain little tiny bit of revelation. But you have much more. What, is there, what must you do? You say, my God shall supply all my need. You have to speak New Testament language. You have to live by the revelation God has given to us today. And the, his word says, fight the good fight of faith. You cannot say, God took this job away from me to teach me a lesson. You cannot talk like that. You've got to live by the revelation God has given to us in the New Testament. It's time to change. Understand the times in which we are living in. God will hold you and me accountable for the revelation he's given to us today. You can't live with Job's revelation. You can't live with Moses' revelation. You can't live with Joshua's revelation. You can't live with that Old Testament revelation. You've got to live with what God has done. Say, Lord, I know they may have, to may have made this decision for my job. But your word says that my God will supply all my need. And God, your word says that if I ask my heavenly father anything in the name of Jesus, he will give it to me. God, you're on my side. You are for me. And we build on all the truth that is there in the Old Testament. I'm not saying get rid of the Old Testament. I'm saying there is truth that we build on, but we've got to live by what God has shown us today. So you stand up and you fight. Don't say, the Lord will fight for me. I don't do anything. No, God is on your side. 
but you've got to fight. You've got to do what it takes to get a very good job. Send your resume out. Believe that in the time of famine, God will cause you to be fruitful. Believe that God will move on your behalf. Believe that God will answer your prayer. God will open up the doors for you and you go forward. What if, you know, the battle that uh, some of us might be facing uh, as business owners, you know, as a business owner, you know, maybe the, the market that you've been servicing or providing for uh, has been hit so bad, there is no more demand for your service or your product. And, and you're wondering, what can I do? Now, don't speak like this, saying, well, God has done this to me to teach me a lesson, or God is doing this to me to make me more humble. Please don't talk like that. Live by the truth of the New Testament. You know, of course, these things have happened around us. And of course, we, we, you know, our, our faith is tried in such circumstances. Of course, there are challenges. But you say, God, your word says that I will reign in life through Jesus Christ. That means I will dominate these circumstances. I will dominate this situation. Your word says that I am more than a conqueror. Through Jesus Christ who loved me. Your word says that I who am born of God. I overcome the world. So I'm going to overcome this challenge that I'm facing. Jesus will help me overcome it. And so you rise up and say God cause me to prosper. You speak blessing over your business. You speak blessing over whatever you're doing. And say God in spite of the famine around me. You will still cause me to be fruitful. Because God is on my side. Speak like a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, some, for some of us, our, our battles may be in the area of marriage. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's about your children. Uh, maybe it's about your ministry. Uh, it could, or the battles could be in different areas. But what I want you to know is this. God has, has already declared that he will cause you to triumph. You take the weapons of your warfare. You take your faith and speak to the mountain. You take your faith and speak to the storms. You take your faith and speak to the winds and the waves. This is how a New Testament believer engages in battle. A New Testament believer doesn't say... The battle is the Lord's and I will do nothing. Now the New Testament says, I know God has granted me the victory. He's fought this battle for me already. The victory is mine. The battle is the Lord's. He's taking care of it. The victory is mine. Now I will fight my good fight of faith. Now I will resist the enemy. Now I will dominate the storms and the winds. Now I will dominate the circumstances. With the faith that God has given me, I will fight. And that's what I want to just bring to our hearts today. The battle is the Lord's, but you need to stand up and fight. So stand up and fight. Take what God has given you and fight. God says that he will always cause us to triumph. You see, when you and I start fighting and you and I start engaging, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 14, that God will cause us to triumph. The reason is called the good fight of faith. Because it's a fight that you and I always win. It's a fight that's worth fighting for. And it's a fight that you and I will win. So you fight knowing that victory is yours. God will cause you to come through. The battle is the Lord's. But you stand up and fight. Because victory is yours. You know, I'm going to let the worship team come. And lead us in a time of worship. And then we're going to partake of the Lord's table. And then I want to pray over us. I know sometimes the battle is not easy, but today I believe there's a purpose in this message for you. God wants to tell you that if you keep fighting, you'll walk into your victory. 
God wants to tell you that if you just stand and do what he told you to do, victory will come. He will crown you with triumph. It's yours. Let's worship God. And then we're going to partake of the Lord's table. The enemy's been defeated And death couldn't hold you down The enemy's been defeated And death couldn't hold you down The enemy's been defeated enemy's been defeated the enemy's been defeated and death couldn't hold you down gonna lift our voice in victory we're gonna make your praises high the enemy's been defeated and death couldn't hold you down gonna lift our voice in victory Thank you, worship team, for leading us in that time of worship. I want to just partake of the Lord's table first together because it's a sign of our covenant. And as you partake of these elements, I want you to tell God, God, I thank you. The work is finished. What are the final words Jesus said on the cross? He said, it is finished. The work is done. The Bible says he crushed the head of the serpent. He destroyed the one who had the power of death, that is the devil. He completed that work. 
And he said, God, I thank you. The battle has been won. I thank you that whatever fighting, fight I'm fighting, the battle is won. Give me the strength to fight so I can step in to the victory that's already done for me, that's already reserved for me. Just give me the grace to do it. We're going to consecrate these elements of you're the head of the household. I want you to just get the elements together. Put your hands over it. If you're partaking by yourself, uh, just get the elements together. We're going to pray. And then we're going to partake together. I want you to just tell God, thank you. You've already finished the battle. You won it from me. I am going to step into my victory. Whatever area it is, I'm going to step into my victory. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we consecrate these earthly elements of bread and grape juice, which represent to us the cross, the finished work of Christ on the cross, where he fought the battle and he crushed our enemy. Things have changed. Our enemy has been defeated. And Father, we proclaim the Lord's death. We proclaim the battle has been won. We proclaim that victory for us is guaranteed. And we ask you, Lord, based on this covenant, that each one of us will be empowered by grace to step in to victory, to step into the triumph that has been set aside for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord Jesus said, take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. On the cross, Jesus took our sins. He bore our sicknesses, our diseases. He provided for our wholeness. And he crushed the enemy. Let's partake of the bread together, knowing that the work has been finished on the cross. The Lord Jesus said, this is my blood of the new covenant that is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the cup together, please. Father, I just pray for every person, God, who's heard the word of God today. Father, we thank you for the truth of the New Testament. That the battle has been finished. The enemy has been defeated. And victory is ours. And we engage from a place of victory. We engage the enemy to enforce the victory that is ours. And I pray, Father, for each person. Whoever is facing a battle, whether it's an emotional battle, whether it's a psychological battle, whether it's a physical battle against sickness and disease and infirmity, whether it's a, a situational battle 
with circumstances and situations, a financial battle, a legal battle, whatever kind of battle they are engaged in. We thank you that the Bible says this is a victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And I pray that faith will be inspired so that they will walk into the victory you have ordained for their lives. And in the name of Jesus, I speak victory into their situations, victory in their battles, triumph over their enemies, triumph in their battles, triumph over sickness and disease. And even right now, Lord, let the shackles be broken of sickness and disease. Let it fall off. Let them experience the triumph and the victory. Let them see the victory take place, come into realization right before their eyes over sickness, over disease, over financial difficulties, over situations in their marriage or over their children's lives or their lives of the family members. Let them see the victory realized before them. We thank you for it. By the power of your spirit, let it be done in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I want to remind you just once again, the battle is the Lord's, but you need to stand up and fight. You know, there might be people out there who need to hear this message, and you can just bless their lives by sending this message across to them. How many ever people you know that God reminds you of a saying, send this message to that person, send it to them and say, listen to it, because it's going to build their faith up, it's going to encourage them, and it's going to propel them into the victory that God wants for their life. So go ahead, share this message as many people as you can. Some, some of us, maybe we need to hear this message two or three more times. I want you to just listen to this message again and again until the fact that you are a winner, you are a victor, is embedded strong in your life until you shift into this new position of New Testament revelation. Maybe you need to listen to this three, four times. Do it until your spirit is captured, captivated by the truth that is given to us in his word. So God bless you. Write to us, please, if you can. Send us your testimony. We'll be happy to share that with others so that others can be encouraged. Write to us at testimony at apcw.org. Until next time, God bless you. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit abide with each of us always. Amen.